and welcome to the Edu Switchboard podcast. I'm your host, Jana Parker, licensed educational psychologist, wellness and executive function coach, and parent consultant. Visit jplep.com to become a member of my community or to access my assessment or coaching services. Hi, Jana. Hi, Denise. Nice to meet you. It is so nice to finally meet you too. I'm happy that we can find the time to do this. Me too. Me too. Um, I'm going to just kind of start by saying, like addressing our audience, all, you know, like 10 or 20 people who might watch this. Um, But I'm going to start by addressing the audience because this is something new that I haven't done before in terms of um, uh, doing an interview like this. Okay. So, Okay. okay. So, Welcome to my interview with Denise Carbone. I am Jana Parker, and I'm really excited today because I'm doing something a little unprecedented. I am going to interview Denise for the first time. I've never met her. We've only met via email. And so I thought, well, I'm going to, this is what I do for my private practice. I get to know people in the community. And then what I'm doing on this um on these videos and on the podcast is introducing these people that I know in the community who help kids to the community. And so I thought, well, what better way if I'm going to get to know a new person, let's just do it live and you can share about you and I will share about me. And this is what we would do in just a typical networking meeting so that we can get to know each other and see how we can support each other in our, um, Uh, with kids, you know, so I'm really excited to get to know you like this and welcome audience because this is kind of an on the fly interview. So thanks for being here with me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here as well, Jana, and I'm really grateful that you are allowing me to participate in your project. I'm I'm really, like you, passionate to support the special needs community, so I'm thrilled that we could do this together. Yeah, me too. Me too. So Denise, she is a special needs expert. Her business is called Special Advantage. And she is, she's been supporting young children with special needs and their families in the community for almost 30 years. And so she also helps parents struggle with stress, with fear, with anxiety and overwhelm. And she's a developmental specialist and a parent coach. And she helps to empower parents while ensuring that kids grow and reach their full potential. What's really interesting about Denise is she works with families and kids who are medically fragile, former preemies, and kids with global developmental delays. So the, you know, the complex cases where families are dealing with all kinds of things and students could be dealing with anything from a real fragile medical disability to whatever kind of complex um, uh, presentation they have. So uh, those are complex and what a reward to help those families, I could imagine internally, um, because I've worked with a lot of kids uh, with those kinds of challenges as well. So yeah, in your own words, Denise, please tell me more about you. Yes, well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I help parents that have kids with special needs and my my work is kind of twofold. I've been working um, for about 30 years with families that have 
children birth to five. And I still do that. I still provide services directly in their home, in their community, their preschool or their daycare program. And that's to help the child make progress. But I also support the parents because what I was finding is no matter how much I go in and help the child make progress, if I'm not addressing the parents' issues, the child only gets so far. Right. So I, I've always been parent coaching too in the homes, but I wanted to kind of take it a little bit um, bigger and be able to help them get out of the stress, the overwhelm, the anxiety, you know, all those limiting beliefs that were kind of holding them back and holding their child back because, you know, if the, if the family's not moving in the right direction to actually get back to peace, um, I didn't feel as effective as I know that I could be. So now as a parent coach, I'm also helping any parent that struggles um, with some issues. And I kind of wanted to tell you a little bit about that. So yeah, what I found yeah. out right now, because this is so timely with all of this COVID craziness right. <laughs> on top of things, right? Um, parents are wondering if they're doing the right thing right now to help their child make progress. They're not feeling like they're being very effective right now. So what I'm finding is that families are really frustrated not only with navigating these systems and the lack of services, but with the online learning right now, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're struggling with how do I balance my time? How do I get back the energy that I used to have? And they're really getting stuck in the weeds of stress, overwhelm, fear, and uncertainty. And yeah. so what I like to do is I like to help focus on where is this impacting them and their kids, right? Is it, is it a coming out in their health? Is it coming out in their relationships? Is it affecting their career or their finances? And really, you know, kind of help them with that. Because what I know is they really want certainty that things are going to get better, which they are. Yeah. And they want peace of mind to know that their child is just going to grow up and be a happy, independent child and a member of the society. So yeah. that's kind of what the parent coaching piece is. It, it helps parents figure out what it is that they really want and then help them be successful in getting that. Yeah, that's amazing. I couldn't agree more. And I do something really similar in my practice because very similar to what you're talking about, you know, I, I do a lot of assessment with kids and I, I really get to know the kid. I uh, try to figure out what the issues are. I try to figure out where the strengths are. I write this what I think is a beautiful report, you know, like um, sure. uh, conceptualizing a student and, um, you know, how to move forward past mm -hmm. this point. But there's so, uh, it goes so much more beyond handing this family a report and talking to them for one hour about oh. this report, right? That's not right. where it ends. Mm -hmm. It's, it's what they do next. Yeah. That's, That's the most important. That's where it starts, right? Yeah. And there, and I always feel like there's this disconnect between, you know, like, like here you go, and I and I cross my fingers, and I hope like you're gonna go do the right thing. So that's why I really try to either con I connect them to the next resource, right? Because, but, but also, I, you know, what I'm trying to, what I'm really trying to focus on in my own practice is how do I make sure that I continue to connect with these families and coach them along? Because right. like what you're saying, it's not like you get new information and you can just do the best thing with it because it's just like 
if you were going to go to therapy because you felt like your mental health was affected or you were going to go get a personal trainer because you felt like you needed somebody to help you with your physical body and your nutrition. It, it's just like that. Like you, in order to really make a change, you have to make small changes. You might need some guidance along the way and somebody to try to like, not try, but to help hold you accountable right. to to, to take those steps and to make those changes because it's so much easier to just fall back in the regular habits, right? Mm -hmm. But once you have this information, just like a diagnosis that you get at the doctor, you know, the doctor could say, well, you have this and you should do this treatment, but unless you actually do the treatment yeah. um, and, and move along with it. So I love this idea of coaching for parents. I'm, I'm starting with that, not starting, I've been doing it, but I'm, I'm, I've been trying to, trying to figure out how to really help parents to like really understand that it's necessary because yeah. it's one of those things that just like when they question, well, should I get a personal trainer? Well, should I yeah. go to therapy? Do I really want to spend money on myself? But like, mm -hmm. you, yes. you have to, that's always that. the battle, right? Yeah. But to think that yeah. we could just do it ourselves is sometimes just kind of wishful thinking because if you could really do it yourself, wouldn't you have done it already? Yeah, you know? exactly. Jen, I love what you're saying. And I love the analogy about the gym because they, like, like you said, they can have the gym membership, but unless they're going, you're not mm -hmm. going to see the results, right? Or unless you, unless you know how to use the equipment or right. what to do with the equipment, right. you're only going to get so far. So I, right. I love that. I, I absolutely love how you're you're thinking that way too and and holding them accountable right in yeah. a different way too than a friend might hold them accountable to say oh yeah good for you you're doing a good job yeah. it's not about that it's about okay well these are the commitments that you made to yourself and to your child where are you going with that right mm -hmm. how how are you doing with those commitments because yeah. they know this i mean like just as if they everybody got on a plane right what does the flight attendants say they say, put your own oxygen mask on first. Well, what happens if a parent is not putting on their own oxygen mask first? The family falls apart, right? I love that. So yes. they have to take care of themselves. Like I'm a big proponent of self-care, particularly for moms, because those moms are usually the stay-at-home parent. Now everybody's a stay-at-home parent, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's so important. And I don't look at it like self-care is selfish. I look at it like it's essential. Yeah. Because if they're not taking care of themselves, then how are they expecting to take care of their child as well? And the demands are so high right now, right? I could not agree more. This is, this is the most, and this is why I started doing these online is because everybody needs to hear that everybody's going through this, right? We're mm -hmm. all going through this. We all have our families at home. I mean, I'm hoping that my stepson doesn't come out of his room right now and forget that I'm on a call. I'm hoping the dog doesn't bark. You know, I, yeah. I um, hoping oh, the internet doesn't shut down right, <laughs> right on cue. You wow. You've trained your dog. Well, <laughs> no, I'm like, <laughs> he's like right under my feet. Oh, um, and I was going to say, and if you're, you're, you know, if he does come out of his room, if the dog barks, if the internet goes down, we deal with it. Right. Right. On cue, I love that. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> I should bring him in hi. here. I'll bring him in. I'll bring him in. Yeah. Come Dude, here, you. In. Come here. Absolutely. This is Cody. We get to meet Cody. Oh, this is Cody. Hi, Cody. I think there's someone outside that he's a little bit. Uh, Ooh, he's adorable. Hi, right? Cody. The best part about working from home is my foot warmer. 
right? Cody. Yeah. I was picturing that, but I didn't know what he looked like. So thank you for introducing <laughs> him to us. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, getting back to it. We're all at home. Um, it is, I think, even more difficult for parents to focus on self-care right now because they are inundated with their kids all the time. You know, so... I mean, what do you do? You know, so the kinds of things like for me, I think about, well, I get up earlier than everybody. Mm -hmm. I make sure I go and do my workout or even if it's like a low intensity day for me, I'll take a long walk or a little jog and I'll listen to like an inspirational podcast. Lovely. And I just think about, um, yeah, I just get prepared myself. Right. And, and not everybody has so everybody has like something different that they do for themselves that helps yeah. them take care of themselves but mm -hmm. a lot of it is getting lost right now and right. people aren't taking the time to do that themselves right you're yeah. absolutely right this has been a very big hot topic in one of the parent groups that i run i run a weekly parent group for Ooh. families that have children with special needs doesn't matter the age of their child it's just a weekly support and discussion group. And we've oh, been nice. talking a lot about stress and overwhelm, how to identify it, how to get out of it, what to do. And one of my favorite things to look at and teach is helping parents recognize, are they and their child, but are they, you know, a, a learner who's a visual learner, an auditory learner, a kinesthetic learner or needing to feel it in your body mm -hmm. or an auditory digital learner, right? And if you know the style that you typically are, that also tends to be your self-care regimens that you love the most. So for me, it's a matter of, well, let's figure out what your learning style is or what your favorite things are. And then it's easier to put the self-care into your routine. So yeah. I love what you were talking about. You're talking about getting up, working out, going for a walk or listening to a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. um, for some people, they like to have, you know, deep squeeze, hug, massages, um, exercise, you know, something that's physical in their mm -hmm. body, right? Kinesthetic. For some people, it's listening to music or podcast or meditation music, which is auditory, right? Yeah. Or can be auditory. Um, for some people, it's visual. You know, like for me, I kind of try to get all three of those. Like my favorite place to relax is at the beach. I like yeah. to hear the kids laughing, the seagulls. I like to hear the waves crashing. I like to feel the sand in my toes. And I like to see it, you know, for me, I, I love looking at nature. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of figuring out what works for a parent. And um, it doesn't have to be that long either. Like I've got hundreds of tips, hundreds that I've been putting together for years to that are two minute tips. Yeah. Two minutes, it's like two minute break. If you're going absolutely bonkers and need right. a breather, you know, like your walk, you can walk around the block for two minutes mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a reset button. Yep. Yep. And we can do the same things for our kids too. You know, yeah. we can teach them those strategies. And like, if you see a long list of like accommodations, or if you see a long list of strategies that you can use for self-care, mm -hmm. not everyone is going to work for everyone, right? You have to pick the little things that work for you, right? If you look yeah. at all of them, it seems overwhelming. Oh, it's you know, one of the, one of the things I hate most about looking at IEPs, cause I work in public education too. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the things I hate sometimes about seeing IEPs is like 
all of these accommodations that just kind of get transferred from year to year to year. And I go, wait a second, wait a second. That's like, that's, that's not individualized, right? It doesn't mean that if you have a disability, you need all of these accommodations. What you need are the accommodations that are meaningful for you. You know, so like when I write a report, I'm really trying to think about what are, what are like the main things that I think that based on what I know about this student, that this student could benefit from like right now. Right and then now. Maybe, yeah. Right right now. And what are some mm-hmm. other things that maybe in the future you mm-hmm. might want to take a look at? Here's a list, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that this is what you need right now, but mm-hmm. things change throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And there are all different kinds of things you could do, but if you just pick the couple of things that are going to be most meaningful in your life right now, that's mm-hmm. so much more doable. Yeah. And there's so much more um, uh, chance that you will actually participate and it will make a difference in your life, you know? So it's a lot smaller, like change happens, you know, incrementally and systematically and with consistency. And if we take it back to that level, I think it can decrease some of that anxiety that parents Mm -hmm. are feeling, that Mm -hmm. kids are feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, but even that, you know, if you... That that could take somebody. I love that you're doing a yeah. parent group. Let me, let me ask you about that. How do people get involved in your parent group? Um, yeah, well, they can just contact me. I, I have it set up where um, I have links on my website. So specialadvantage.com. They could email me, Denise, at specialadvantage.com, or they could give me a call. You know, I, I'll make sure that you have my number, 650-218-1884. Um, I've got it all over the place, but essentially I was doing a parent group here locally in person in Redwood City, which is where I live, mm-hmm. and it was monthly. And as soon as we had to shelter in place, it was very apparent to me that parents needed more support rather than less, and they needed more connection because they felt so isolated. So now it runs weekly on Zoom. And um, it's been great because I've have people I'm able to connect with people now, not just locally, but right. all over California, all over the nation, and even in other countries. So it's been really fabulous to support families kind of all over. Um, but what I'm finding is that they just really need a sense of community and connection, and we just kind of flow with whatever hot topics are most pressing. Mm-hmm. Um, like we had. One um, mom came to the group a few weeks back. She had her IEP for her son the next day, and she was really stuck in anxiety and was worried. And, you know, I'm I'm nervous. I won't be able to say everything that I see with him here at home, and they may not hear what I feel is really important. And I, she was really worried that they um, wouldn't actually provide her the supports that she was looking for or mm-hmm. really address the goals. Like you're saying, the specifics that were most important right now for her mm-hmm. son and for her family. Um, he's five. And so she was kind of worried about that. And so just really quickly, we were able to shift her anxiety, pop her out of that box, give her tools to be an fully empowered going into the meeting. And yeah. she was, she was absolutely empowered, felt great, came back the next week to celebrate. We always do celebrations, yeah. um, even if they're, you know, tiny steps for the families or the kids, the little ones are huge celebrations yeah. for our population. Right. And so um, she got everything she wanted and she felt great and fully empowered. So um, I love that. And thank you for, for letting me know, um, or your, your, 
your peeps know about the parent group. It's yeah. been oh, absolutely. so fabulous. I'm about to start a new one. I've been asked to start one specifically for three to five-year-olds. So I'll be doing that in about a week. Um, and that'll run through the full school year. Um, so that's, I'm excited about that one as well, but this that's one is great. open to anybody. So it doesn't matter the age of the child. And like you said, it's incremental. Like I, I, I Jen, I'm really feeling like you and I are going to really <laughs> collaborate well together. Cause I'm really yeah. resonating with what you're saying. And I like how you talked about increments cause it's, you know, if the goal is to eat the elephant, we need to take it one bite at a time Yeah, and yeah. really look at where is the child or where is the family today, right? You know, I do assessments too. And so it's kind of like, let's find out what our baseline is and then go from there to get mm -hmm. to the goal that we want. But you can't, like you said, in the, in the IEP meetings or IFSP meetings, you don't want all the accommodations just to kind of move over to the next year because it's right. a different year. It's a different right. child, different time. So I'm with you on I that. I feel like there's so much that I could talk to you about and probably yeah. like we'll have to do another call, but um, like I'm, I'm, I work right now in late transition with um, in my school district. So transition, you know, into high school and then transition into post-secondary. Okay. And one of the, you know, so I'm typically working with families around that age and one of the topics that's coming up for us is the conversations that are having for these, uh, the conversations that are going on for these real complex cases in the earlier years mm -hmm. and how critical that is with those first providers that families are working with. Um, what kind of an, like an emotional experience that is for families, right? Like really thinking about kind of the trajectory for their student. May, sure. You know, they feel anxious and, and um, I have worked in preschool before as well, but like, so now being on this like later side of it, I really, I, I think that your, your piece is so critical there, like that three to five, um, because that's really going to kind of like um, set the stage for the, for the rest of their voyage, right? Exactly. Yep. And I'm, I'm giving yep. a talk to school psychologists in November uh, around transition. Nice. And I was thinking originally it was just going to be about kind of the later years, but I'm going to start really early on because yeah. um, that school psychologist, mm -hmm. you know, as you have that IFSP meeting and the first IEP at age three, like that's the person that's like the representative for the school district. Mm -hmm. that, and yeah. they're so um, critical to the life of that family and how that whole IEP process is going to be um, perceived by a family throughout their entire, you know, um, educational career. So um, can you, I mean, I guess, can Absolutely. you briefly talk about what your experience is at that age and like anything you might say? About yeah, that? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes families actually come to me before they've even identified that um, they need support through mm -hmm. regional center, right? If they're birth to three or school district support if they're three and up. And so um, I might be their first contact because something just doesn't quite feel right or right. they've got a, you know, a, a worry there. Maybe they've been searching on the internet and they're kind of concerned about some things. Um, and, and I always tell a parent to trust your gut because 
if something doesn't feel right, you'd rather rule it out. Like I do assessments too, right? And so I'd much rather tell a family, yeah, everything looks okay. That maybe he's delayed a little bit in speech and here's some things that you can do to help improve speech, but then you're good. Mm -hmm. Um, But oftentimes too, families may come to me thinking, oh my gosh, I think my son has autism. You know, he's not speaking. These are the things we're seeing. I'm so worried about this. Um, In fact, I had that with a little guy I'll call him Eddie. And they, they came to me really convinced about their son having autism. And um, I was really happy to realize that that was not an appropriate diagnosis for him. Not that I'm going to diagnose autism or not. That's not my role. But, um, but I was able to tell the family what I felt, get them connected with the regional center, and then later transition him to the school district. And he did have speech delays as well as some sensory stuff going on some sensory integration issues, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole nother topic, yep. right? But the, the, the transition process, I think, is the first contact a family has when they say, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. I'm concerned. Because whoever it is that's holding that child or that family, and it might be the pediatrician, right, sets them up. And I can't tell you how many times parents come to me saying, I've been telling my pediatrician for months, right? Six months, eight months, nine months. You know this too. I know. Yeah. You know, if I got a nickel every time a parent told me that, I'd be a very rich woman, because it's just so sad that it's you know, let's wait six months and see. Let's wait six months and see. Right. Right. Um, and that six months in a little one's life is a long time. Yeah. And so it kind of sets them up to feeling like I don't have a voice. Right. Uh, you know, my concerns aren't valid. What I'm seeing doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it comes from my own stuff. Like I have, I've been around special needs my whole life. I have 10 family members that have one form of a disability or another, wow. um, you know, autism, seizures, two family members who are deaf, traumatic brain injury, uh, medically wow. fragile, ADD, ADHD, speech delay, et cetera, et cetera. And I've had three that I've overcome. So I'm very familiar with it. And the main reason why I got into this was because of my mom's story of what it was like to parent me and my brother Mm -hmm. and how hard it was for her um, to feel like she was getting the support. And one of the things that I see over and over and over again is families don't always feel like they have a voice. And I think it's very important to me and probably for them, and I'm sure you feel the same way, to empower them. So when they do go into that first IEP meeting or that first IFSP meeting, if it's with the regional center, that they feel that, hey, I'm the parent, I'm the expert on my son or my daughter, Mm -hmm. because they are. You know, we are going to come into in and out of their lives, teachers, right. therapists, doctors, but it's really about, they are also bringing an expertise, a very vital piece to the team. Yeah. So I love what you're going to do. I love the training piece because I'm huge into training professionals as well. I've been yeah. doing that work myself for 20 plus years. And it's important that the professionals know, let's validate what the child or what the parent is saying and seeing and see them as a team member. Right, right. It's it's easy in the school district to kind of always kind of be on the defensive, you know, um, like, and the unfortunate thing is, I think people get into working in this field because they really want to help. 
And then they face a lot of kind of like red tape or barriers to feeling like they maybe can't, um, I don't I, like, I, I don't want to say anything negative because it's not negative. It's just reality. The reality yeah. is you're working within a system yep. and it sometimes, it, that poses some challenges. And, um, and also people are, you know, afraid to kind of like give too much for fear of them, um, not having the time to be able to do all of that. Right. Right. So, so it's it's just, it's just a tough balance, which is, which is why I really love my private practice. I still work in public schools, but I am really developing this side of my private practice more than I have in the past you know, almost 10 years that I've been working privately in conjunction with working in the school. So it's been a lot of work and I'd really like to ultimately kind of move over into private practice. Mm -hmm. I haven't taken that jump yet, but Mm -hmm. it's because you can feel just kind of more like you can be helpful in a really authentic way um, and, um, and help a family Mm -hmm. along their voyage, you know? Yeah. And you should really be able to do that in the schools too. And mm-hmm. as a school district employee, I do my very best to do that. Um, and I always have. And so when I train other, um, other professionals, I really try to get at that piece, right? Yeah. And bring kind of that private practice world into public education as much as possible. Because so I mean, important. I feel like it's really about building the relationship with the family wherever you are right building that relationship and the trust and and being authentic and honest about like you know this is free and appropriate public education yes and that and we are that is what this is um and right it's the guideline and um and sometimes that's fantastic and other times it it has some some barriers you know Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like this is what's absolutely best it's this right. is what's free and appropriate, appropriate. and mm-hmm. that's hard to say that's hard to say that's to a family sticky like part, right i know right. that's the sticky part because we always yeah. want to give the very best right. we do and if we could we would right, right? or right. the school districts would and you know right. and like you said everybody got into this field because their heart is in it right mm-hmm. they're they want to yeah. do everything they can for every single family and yep. You're right. There are limitations and barriers which stink. Yeah. Uh, but knowing that going in too, it's kind of a, a negotiation, if you will, because it's mm-hmm. it really is about what's most appropriate right now right. for your family. Um, Question. And, and I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go Keep ahead. going. No, you go. I was gonna say, say, <laughs> I was gonna say and I, I get the frustration that you feel because I I was in the nonprofit world um, for a long time as an early interventionist, had my own classroom, worked home visits was my main thing. Um, and and e- e- even though my specialty is working with kids that are medically fragile, former preemies or kids that are globally delayed, across the board, you know, it's anything that mm-hmm. um, uh, a family's struggling with, delay, behavior, feeding, whatever, it's, it's free game. But I kind of got to the point where I was frustrated too, because I was seeing that my hands were tied when the California budget crunches happened in Mm -hmm. 2008. And all of a sudden kids weren't qualifying for services or they weren't getting what they used to get. 
so easily, you know, and the categories were eliminated because there wasn't enough money and all that stuff. So I, I get what you're talking about. And, and that was ultimately what made me decide to make the jump because it's like, I really want to just provide what kids need. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, I yeah. just want to give them what they want and what they need. And, you know, the family's concerned about speech, but they don't qualify. Yeah. And they have to wait till you're delayed, you know, come back in six months when you're more delayed right. and then I'll help you. I'm like, no, help right, now. Right, so, right. Yeah, I get it. Yes. We're like, um, we're like long lost souls, you and I. I think so. <laughs> I know. I feel that too. Like our paths are kind of been different, but yeah, I'm so yeah. grateful to Mackenzie for connecting us for that yeah. reason. Like, oh my God, she sounds amazing. I can't wait yeah. to meet her. So yeah, absolutely. And teaching too, like you're passionate. I love that you're passionate about teaching professionals because mm -hmm. I am as well. It's one of my favorite, like when I'm not working with the families, it's like, ah, I want to train the professionals. Yeah. So I've, I've had that. I've been blessed with that. I've been able to be a keynote speaker, a breakout speaker at some major disability awareness conferences and mm. infant development conferences, like, you know, department of developmental services, DDS and the Infant Development Association and the early start programs and stuff, et cetera. But I, I like that because then I feel like even if I'm not reaching all the families that I want to, I know that the ripple effect is right. getting out there, right? Because right. as you said, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a partnership, but it's also about the family. It's all mm -hmm. about the family unit and system yep. working within our systems too. So it's yep. really important that people remember to see the whole, the whole child and the whole family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so I want to ask you, do you, so at this point you do your parent coaching. Do you also continue to do, um, individual support for students and do you go to IEP meetings? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have. I've, I've definitely gone to IEP meetings for families and IFSP fam for fam IFSP meetings for families too, for the younger kids, yeah. um, if that's what the family wants me to do. Um, and I've worked with the three regional centers in our area here, mm -hmm. right? Golden Gate Regional Center, San Andreas Regional Center, and um, Regional Center of the East Bay, mm -hmm. and then all the school districts in the peninsula. Um, so I'm very familiar with how they work. And I try to stay on top of who the directors are with all the yeah. ones, the main ones, so I know, so I can make the personal connection. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do go to the, to the meetings. It's basically, it's whatever the family really needs and how they want to use my time is fine. Right. Um, I am still seeing kids. I've been fortunate because for me and my practice, I've been using Zoom and before that Skype for like four years. So for families that I've worked with that have had kids that are medically fragile and I couldn't see them because they were getting ready for a heart transplant or a kidney transplant or something and we couldn't meet because of germs, I've done sessions, teletherapy sessions forever. Okay. So for me, it's nothing new. Um, but I haven't been seeing families face-to-face. -face. That's definitely shifted for me. Like all that kind of had to stop mm -hmm. because I'm, for me, number one is safety always. Yeah. And I want to make sure that kids are safe, families are safe, the community's safe. Um, I'm, I'm just starting to tease out the idea of seeing families again in person, socially distanced with a mask and a face shield and all that in a park yeah, <laughs> or their yeah. backyard just to kind of open that up a little bit. Um, 
I participated with one of the the recent telesummits um, where they had the Department of Public Health do presentations on how to keep people safe. And so mm -hmm. I felt like I learned a lot with that, which is so important. Um, so I'm kind of teasing that out right now, but I gotta be honest, this has been hard. I mean, for me, I'm, my number one is to be connected with my family and my mm -hmm. friends and my yeah. boyfriend. And so not being able to hug my niece and my nephews and my family, or just doing this from afar, you know, or yeah, has I just know. been the biggest loss. Yeah. You know, I know so, I haven't seen my parents since December because my dad had surgery in January. And so there, there was some time where he just, you know, we, I couldn't go visit him and I was supposed to visit in April and then the pandemic. So yeah, I haven't seen my parents in a, a very long time. Yeah. yeah. They live in LA. So, I mean, I'm not going to like take a trip down there just to be like completely right. super far apart. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. I totally get that. Oh, so hard. Yeah. Um, so tell me like when would a parent, I mean, when would a parent contact you? Let's just kind of go with like those, you know, in those early years, you know, when, when do parents contact you? Like what should they be looking for? What, how do they conceptualize what it is that you do um, at, in those okay. early years? Okay. Well, right now, I think the, the, I think the thing that's most pressing right now, if a family's feeling like, oh my God, Zoom is not working for my child at all, that would be a great person to <laughs> refer. Whatever uh, age, whatever yeah, age. Okay. Yeah. Well, birth to five, I should okay, say. Birth, birth to five. five. Okay. Yeah. Birth to five is my sweet spot. Yeah. I have my, my early, um, my master's degrees in early childhood special education where I graduated at the top of my class with honors. Yay me. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> but I, um, I, I love working with birth to five or developmentally age five. So some yeah. of the kids might've been older than that, but developmentally they're about five. Um, or younger. And so when I hear a family say, this is absolutely not working, um, I like to challenge it a little, put on my hat and go, why not? Yeah. Like, let's figure out why not. Because right. in theory, it could work for every child. It's not appropriate. It's certainly not developmentally appropriate to have any baby or child staring at a computer screen, right? That's right. just it's not normal, right. uh, but it can work. And a large part of it that pa parents may not get is if I'm being effective with what I do, I'm teaching them what to do when we're not online. Right. 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 So for me, and this is, this has been years. Like I, I like to teach parents during the regular routine of the day. So you can work on speech while you're having a bath right. or a meal, right. Or getting your child dress or dressed or work on, your child's motor skills while you're, you know, doing pretend play, mm -hmm. right? Or, or riding the bike outside in the front yard. Like that's when it should happen rather yeah. than a therapy session. Right. So it doesn't feel like homework and hard. Um, so my parent coaching still happens. Um, so that's, you know, anytime that they're feeling like maybe something's not quite right or, they're talking to their friends and their friends' kids are doing something different than their child is. That's a great opportunity to connect. Um, and then for families that have any child with special needs, doesn't matter their age, if they're stuck and they're struggling, they're like, 
God, I don't know how to get my time squared out. Like I can't figure out how to do this teletherapy thing with my child and run my business mm -hmm. or work. Or, you know, I'm yelling at my husband and my kids more than usual. Um, I'm overeating or consuming other things that I don't really like to do. Like a lot of parents come to me that admit, you know, I'm drinking more wine than I would like. Yeah. Or eating more chocolate or, you know, that might be a flag, right? That their health is kind of, right. uh, they're not doing the, the things that they would ordinarily like to do, which in my mind leads to all that negative self-chatter, self-talk, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like I shouldn't have eaten that thing. I should have, you know, I wish I could do this or I yelled at my husband and my kids again. You know, if, if they're not having the relationships they want with their family or their coworkers or even themselves, yeah, um, I can help them with that. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I'd like to help them with that. Cause as we talked about, if they're at their highest, best self, being the best parent that they can be, it's only going to help their child. Right. We are and that's where totally the coaching comes in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're in this, we're in we're sync, totally, right? Yes. We are totally yeah. in sync. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, I am, I think we'll end it here for now. Okay. okay. Still, there's tons I want to talk to you yeah, about, about me, too. I <laughs> but I don't want to make this too long. So maybe we'll come back and do something else or maybe we can like do something together. I don't know, but we'll, we'll end the interview here. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you, um, it's, uh, tell them your website and your phone number once again, in case people are listening on the podcast and they yes. need it said again. Yes. It's uh, specialadvantage.com is the name of the website. They can email me at denise at specialadvantage.com or call 650-218-1884. And with your permission, I'd love to offer them a gift if they're oh, interested. Sure. Yep. Okay, cool. So this isn't for everybody, right? But one of the things that I love to do with families that are looking for support, if they're ready or they think that they're ready to look at parent coaching, um, I like to dive really deep with families and take some time to see if it's a good fit. But one of the things I like to offer families, and I'd love to offer your families, is um, what I call a reduced stress and overwhelm discovery session. Hmm. So it's basically an hour and a half phone call and it's complimentary. And what I love to do is just tease out with families to help them figure out what is it they really desire? What do they want out of life? What do they hope to achieve that maybe they're not quite having right now? Um, and it could be for them or for their child. And then we tease out where are they right now? What are the challenges to really highlight what's not going so well? And then we look at what might be blocking them. Like what's, why are they stuck? What might be keeping them from getting to where they want to go? Um, and for me, when I teach how to get out of overwhelm, that's kind of the, the secret sauce is it's, you got to know what's holding you back. You got to know what you desire and then you got to know what's in the way. And then, and then you got to uh, know what to do about it. <laughs> you got to know what to do about it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So with that, if, if a family identifies that, you know, what one family came to me and identified that they knew that they were shipping their adult child who has Down syndrome off to New York in a little while, and they were worried about safety, and they were also looking for speech therapy out there. So 
that's what we did. We brainstormed ways to find a speech therapist out in New York that would be safe, you know? So it's kind of whatever, you know, a family might need just to kind of help point them in the right direction. That's amazing. What a great gift. And that's a long time. An hour and a half is like a very nice, generous gift of your time um, and a generous gift to help a family just through that process. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I know families are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I do it. Yeah. Uh, because we're all in this together. And yeah. like I said, special needs has got a huge place in my heart from because of, you know, my own situation and, and where I where I came from. So I I feel so compelled to give back right now yeah. more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for letting me do that. that oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, this is all about contribution. Like it's why I've created this too. You know, it's like, what can I do to just kind of like put information out there and try to make connections between people? Um, because I mean, there's, there's never a shortage of need. And those of us who got into this profession do it obviously because like, I mean, it is our profession, but we also do it just because we love it and we want to help. And so I think we're all just trying to find ways to give back um, yes. And to um, make make um, make the people who are here more accessible, and make that make that support more accessible. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, yeah. Jana. Thank you. Well, I love the connection piece too. Like you said, it's it's just collaborating to help support the the community is so yeah. big. So what you're doing, I I'm so grateful that you decided to take this on, and thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, please hold on the line, but I'm going to end this here. And thank you everybody for listening. If you made it through to the end, thank you very much. And you can find all of these resources on uh, my website, which is jplep.com. And you can search the podcast, which is Edu Switchboard. And that's on your favorite podcast player. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Edu Switchboard podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at Jana at jplep.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, I'm here to help.